Welcome entrepreneurs and startups to Art of the Kickstart, the show that every entrepreneur needs to listen to before you launch. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president and founder of Inventus Partners, the world's only turnkey product launch company. From product development and engineering to omni-channel marketing, we've helped our clients launch thousands of inventions and earn more than $1 billion in sales over the past 20 years. Each week, I interview a startup success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your launch to the next level. This show would not be possible without our main sponsor, Product Hype, the weekly newsletter that goes out and shows you the best inventions that just launched. Make sure to check out ProductHype.co and join the Hype Squad. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today, we are talking with Dr. Bruce Rosner, president and co-founder of Green Life Tech, who has founded four companies and is also the author of more than 40 patented, 40 patents. Excuse me. So excited about this conversation today because it's really amazing. Dr. Bruce Rosner has an amazing background who was awarded the San Diego Entrepreneur of the Year years ago. Having authored so many different patents, he's been an expert witness in patent litigation, going back to all these other things that he's been doing. But what we're here to talk about today is his innovation that's active on Kickstarter today called Fresh Defend Home. So Dr. Bruce Rosner, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Roy, thank you for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity and look forward to explaining to your audience a little bit about who we are and what we do. Absolutely. Yeah, let's dive in on that. If you would, give the audience the uh, elevator pitch for the product. Uh, our product is uh, called Fresh Defend Home, and as Roy pointed out, and it's a household unit intended to preserve your fresh produce. Uh, the item, uh, the technology behind it is the ability to remove oxygen inside the container. It's not a vacuum system, but we remove uh, oxygen levels going from 20% down to le- about 0.5%, which will extend the f- uh, shelf life of your produce by up to five times. And it's a, a countertop unit. Uh, we think it looks pretty nice, uh, a real accessory to your kitchen. You just simply open the, the front cover up, place your items inside, close it. It circulates the oxygen or circulates the air, taking the oxygen out. And like I say, extends the fresh produce life shelf life up to 5x. It also has the ability to operate with separate containers and wine, which is uh, very useful because items you might want to place in the refrigerator. And with your wine, if you're like me, and that's how I actually got started in this, was I was trying to preserve uh, some of the wine that we seem to be throwing out in our household. So we have an adapter. You can connect to your wine bottle, run the system, snap connect, and set your bottle aside, and it's good indefinitely. Amazing. I know the uh, the wine community out there is looking for products like this, as we've seen a few standalone devices um, that are kind of more suction based. But I think the the engineering and the technology that you've built into this is truly amazing. So how did this all get started? You know, in terms of your you know extended history with patents and bringing companies to market and everything that there, how did that evolution happen for you to get to this point? Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. I'm not quite sure I know all the answers to that. But uh, actually, my background's in electronics. I won't go into that, but I was in high-tech electronics for years. I was, as you'd mentioned, in uh, patent litigation involved in that as an expert witness. <clears throat> but about two and a half years ago, I don't know what triggered it one day, but I got tired of wine being thrown out. It just I said, there's got to be a better way. And so I got on the internet, started doing searches, 
in investigating what causes the wine to go bad, what can be done to circumvent the problem. And as I got into it, I came up with an idea. And then as I was investigating that further, I realized that wine was just a very small portion of the overall losses associated on, on homes and, and in uh, restaurants and so on. It was produce, fresh produce. It was infinitely bigger, $240 billion a year in the U.S. So, and I realized the technology was applicable to that as well. So I sat down, did some thinking about this, uh, built a benchtop unit. And uh, eventually out of that, uh, we filed patents and I put a group a team together on how we were going to make this a household product worldwide. It's amazing. So in terms of the innovation, talk a little bit about the process of getting to that point, right? In terms of your amazing career and the electrical component side with the research that likely you were pulling in all these different resources. What were the, some of those steps that you took and maybe some of those learnings along the way that could have saved you some time? Uh, I wish it had saved me some time. I think I'm pretty good at getting from point A to point Z. It's not always a straight line, but you know, recognizing a problem first, and then second, looking at what the solution is. You know, It's not so much how, but why. Why in getting to step Z, what needs to be done? What's the problem? And if you look at my previous history, uh, as an example, I think one of the things I'm more, most proud of is I developed the high-frequency uh, RFID, which probably some of your audience is aware of and some others are not. But we developed a, a passive RFID system. In other words, the tags have no battery. We supply the, pat, the energy and the communication as we transmit. And these redistances, we're talking about 15 to 50 feet uh, and so on. So there was a need for it. And with my background and that, and at that time in solid state, I realized how I could accomplish it. And so we implemented it. I raised a fair amount of money uh, on my first company. The first round was $8 million, to give you an idea. We, we went through about $40 million trying to bring it to market. And we did. We brought it to market and so on. But so that was kind of the thinking. And it's the same thing here now looking at uh, with the uh, Fresh Defend Home, our, our technology overall. I looked at what the problem was. And I realized that, you know, oxygen's bad. Other than for breathing, for mammals, human beings, and so on, oxygen's bad. It's what allows uh, fruits and vegetables to ripen and overripen. So I thought, well, if I if if that's the problem, what do I have to do to get rid of the oxygen? And so I tried, I think, three or four different techniques trying to come up with something that we thought would be, uh, you know, cost effective. First of all, that would be robust and it work and so on. And we did. We came up, I think, with a very good solution to the problem, and we're now have implemented that into our prototype and our technology that we're sharing with some of the uh, uh, outside companies and so on. And, and uh, the concept, when you think about it, and I, and I tell people this uh, throughout my career, that most of my uh, inventions and my patents and so on are fairly simple-minded. Afterwards, you get done, you think about, well, that was fairly simple. And we've heard this in the last two years since we've been uh, talking to uh, people in the field and so on, they said, well, if it's so simple, why didn't somebody do this before? And you're sitting there scratching your head. I don't know why they didn't. But our technique, like I say, we've applied for patents that so we can share it's in the public domain. It's fairly simple. If you can, and I tell people, you can take a tank of nitrogen or argon, inert gases, and flush containers that have fruits or vegetables inside. And if you flush all that air out of there, get the oxygen out of there and replace it with inert gases, the uh, the shelf life will be extended. Well, that's fairly costly when you think about how you do that, and it's not convenient. So I came up with the idea that 
instead of flushing that out with nitrogen or argon, I actually use a recirculating technique. So we circulate the air, take the oxygen out, and I don't have to be efficient to, to achieve an efficient goal uh, because, uh, again, it's a geometric progression. If you just remove 50% of the oxygen each time you cycle through, you can go through the math and you can find out after about seven cycles, I'm down to about 0.5%. And that's if you're just doing 50% removal. So I don't have to be efficient in the actual cycle time and so on. But in the end result, it turns out it works out very well. And we've gone all the way down to 0.1% on our tests and so on the bench. So uh, that's, again, you think about it, it's fairly simple and straightforward. Um, and, and we aren't removing, we're not producing, you know, seven or 10 times the amount of nitrogen required to flush. We're only removing the oxygen out of that chamber one time. It gets less and less each time, but that's all we're doing. Yeah. So that's the key to our technology. Truly amazing. And I think some of the best inventions are the most simple. I, I continually get reminded of, you know, Josh Malone and Bunch of Balloons and how simple his invention was when we got a chance to work with him over 10 years ago. And if it you know, why didn't I think of that moment? Right. And it's just taking a look at these things and solving it with the simplest amount of tools and process. I think this is one of the very few Kickstarter products or products that are out there that pays for itself within the first month, right? I mean, I think the stats on your campaign are that we as American households typically throw out almost $2,000 worth of fresh produce or produce every year. And this product itself will save folks, especially during the, these inflationary prices that we have at grocery stores, this product's gonna pay for itself, right? Uh, that's key to all this. I mean, as an engineer, I always think pretty straight line, you know, what's the savings here cost in the end? And it was very interesting as we got into this, because that's my view on it, thinking everybody else is. And and that's a major point. And, and you're right. Price of, uh, of our produce has gone way up. So that $1,800, $2,000 figure is probably out of date right now. Uh, but it also is, is very advantageous for the environment and for your health. Uh, we've seen figures go anywhere from $50 billion to $2 trillion a year on the amount of health care it's expenditures associated with poor diets. So having a, a good diet, fresh produce available is monumental. Also in the environment. I didn't realize this until about six months ago, we were doing studies looking at the background. The U.S. Uh, dumps 300 million pounds of, of spoiled produce every day into our landfills. It's five football stadiums every day. So it's not only a cost savings, it's an environmental issue, it's a health issue. And so it really is major that if you can extend out the shelf life, and we're not going to solve those problems 100%, I don't want to lie to anybody, but we're going to help out. And But if I told somebody that I was going to increase agricultural production by 5%, everybody would say, well, that's monumental worldwide. I mean, it's revolutionary. But the fact is, 35% of our produce goes to waste. So if I can just save 10% of that, I'm almost there right away. So absolutely. there's a tremendous cost savings to the end user is the bottom line. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. So it was amazing. We had your product in the booth at the Consumer Electronics Show this past year, which is absolutely amazing. It got a ton of awareness and press. And talk about some of those opportunities that have now opened up from being able to showcase the prototype at that amazing show. Well, we were very fortunate. Uh, we had a lot of traffic, as you did, for our unit. And because the unit or the technology is applicable across the entire food chain and actually well beyond. I can talk a little bit about that. Medical, I mean, it's just amazing. Again, any hydrocarbon is susceptible to oxygen 
degeneration and so on. But we had people coming in, look at this. And the first thought was, this is a vacuum system. We say, no, it's not a vacuum system. Operates at atmospheric pressure, removes the oxygen. Everything is fair. And that keeps our coughs way down, by the way, operating at atmospheric pressures and so on. But we uh, were approached by uh, major refrigerator OEMs uh, wanting to place this inside the refrigerator, not our unit itself, but the technology for the crispers. So that as you open your refrigerator, you open a crisper, close the drawer, the system runs, takes the oxygen out, and it'll extend the shelf life. So we've been approached by four major refrigerator OEMs worldwide. So we're very excited about that. And we had other people approach us for using this in the food chain, anywhere from harvest through storage, transportation, and then storage again in the uh, at grocery stores, places like that, or restaurants. A major issue uh, it isn't just the home that's losing money on this. Uh, these other people and some of the numbers that, that have been shown to us, I mean, it's absolutely staggering. We had one chain, uh, I won't tell you their names, but they approached us and uh, the, the person told me that he had a, uh, I think he could buy a new car every year with the savings of what they lose on their fresh produce. In, and it was one fast food place. So it's a fair amount of savings uh, to be had there. I can only imagine. Well, listen, let's jump into the crowdfunding campaign. We've got you know a little more than two weeks left in the active campaign right now, likely when folks listen. Over 170 backers, $57,000 raised so far. Talk a little bit about your first exposure to crowdfunding and what led you to want to use crowdfunding to get this product out there and get some early adopter awareness uh, for the campaign and some feedback from customers. Well, uh, as your audience can probably tell, I'm, I'm from the old school. So crowdfunding was fairly new to me. And when it was first up, everybody said, it's a great idea. I said, sounds like a great idea. What is it? And so we were very fortunate to be working with Inventus Partners to help us walk through this process. And uh, everything about it, uh, I think, is the right thing to do. Not only did we obviously pre-sell the product. I mean, everybody wants to pre-sell and get money and so on like that. But it makes the uh, people aware of our product and how it works. And this is, uh, in my mind, is probably the biggest obstacle for us as a company is that showing what our technology can do and how it's applicable to the household and so on. So educating the end user is a major barrier in my mind. And the crowdfunding is helping us do that. And obviously with your expertise within Ventus Partners, uh, because otherwise we'd be uh, lost in the dark, to be quite honest. So it's been an awakening for us. It's been very beneficial. We're learning a lot along the way, which is always good to know as well. Uh, so it's really helped us, I think, in educating the people out there and getting our product into the real world and, and getting feedback on it, to be quite honest. Uh, that's another important aspect. I think everybody, including myself, always thinks that when you're developing a product, it's it's at the absolute end of all, you know, this is the best product ever built and this is what everybody wants. And somebody comes back and said, you know what? You had to move this from left to right. You had to move this up or down or you had to do this or whatever. And that feedback is very beneficial for us in uh, the final design, uh, what we're going to be producing. Now, we firmly believe the end product is very close to what you see today and there'll be some hidden features in there and so on. And uh, as an example, the one that, again, we really have to educate people on is we have an ozone generator in our system. And it kills off the bacteria. It's the most deadly chemical you can think of for killing off bacteria. But it scares a lot of people. Everybody, you know, we've heard for years, ozone, oh my God, you're opening up a 
hole in the, in the atmosphere and stuff like this. But the amount of ozone we use is quite small, number one, very small volume. Is, secondly, but the ozone kills off bacteria better than your, uh, your uh, chlorine-based chemicals and stuff like this, and it's completely environmentally friendly. The ozone deteriorates back into breathable oxygen. So it kills the bacteria, leaves no residue, goes back to breathable oxygen. Best of all worlds. Amazing. So in terms of all of the learnings that you've now had over your career and thus bringing this product to market, what are some nuggets of wisdom that you can impart on the crowd out there in terms of maybe, you know, things that you've learned along the way that maybe weren't necessary learnings, if you will, to get the product out quicker? Oh, boy. You know, you learn from your failures and I must be pretty smart by now. Because, you know, you can go down so many paths. And uh, I always tell people, you know, I've, I've been the CTO of some fairly good sized organizations and so on. I tell people, if you have no failures in what you're doing, you're doing about it all wrong. Because you have to have some failures to reach, extend, reach out a little further than what uh, you can accomplish. And that always is, I think, is beneficial. Because you're not reaching far enough, like say, if you don't have some failures there. So I saw it in my previous uh, companies when I did RFID. Uh, I did some things that, you know, at the time, and people, there's a lot of naysayers in the world. And that's the other thing. Yeah, sometimes if you believe in something, ignore the naysayers and move forward until at least you believe that they're right or wrong, one or the other. And one just tidbit real quick here. When I was doing the RFID and we were uh, pursuing this for the tolling industry, I came up and I'd, I'd, I've traveled around the world. I had actually spent some time in Taiwan and I told people, I said, we need to have a, an RFID tech that doesn't work just on the windshield, but it works on the headlight. They said, you're crazy. I said, we need it. It's an absolute necessity. We won our first major international contract because we had that capability. And I had people within our company and outside said, that's a waste of time to develop that tag. We got a multi, multi-million dollar contract just because we had that tag and nobody else was pursuing it. And I see the same thing here. There's a lot of naysayers who'll say, well, you know, this doesn't, you know, this will never catch on. This doesn't work. If you believe that, uh, you'll never get anything done. But you do have to have some failures along the way. Sometimes I'll try something. It just doesn't work out. But always set aside. I, I tell people, keep your powder dry. Keep a little bit of, you know, of your funding back for development and so on. That's something that you can try that might be end up being a waste of time and money. But sometimes they really pay off. And I think it's the same thing here we're looking at in this, in this product and our technology. We did some things. We tried some things up front uh, that didn't pan out and put us on a path to, uh, where we hope we'll be very successful in reducing our costs of operation and so on and making it more efficient. So Absolutely. I would say that's key to always is always try and push the envelope. Definitely. And a great nugget of wisdom there too, Bruce, is just the fact that, you know, sometimes, many times, your friends and family aren't your customer. And they don't know the uh, the true means of what you're actually creating because they don't necessarily see the big picture of what you're putting out there and what you're creating. So, you know, it's great to get that outside counsel and advice. And I think that's the beauty of crowdfunding as well, right? Where you're getting insights from people that are passionate about this and, you know, really excited about the innovation that you're bringing to market. And, you know, again, I think everybody wants to save money. Everybody wants fresh fruit and they want it to last longer. So, think you know you've created something that's truly innovative that the world can use we certainly hope so uh, and we think so uh, and I know I'm biased of course but uh, but we have a, a very good team and we we're able to put the team together some previous people I've worked with uh, and so on because they believed in the concept it wasn't just me and, and and I think that's something you have to be very careful of as as well 
make sure you get other people to kick the tires. And I, I've, my teams, my people I've worked with uh, in the past, I always want people that are challenging me. And as much as you don't like to hear it, that your baby's not the most beautiful one, you have to hear it sometimes and you have to make changes accordingly. So I have a, a good team. I've got some advisors. I've got one in particular and he, he drives me crazy or I got actually a couple of them along this line. They're always challenging me and saying, this doesn't seem quite right. And, and you better check this out. And, and like I say, it forces me to go out there and to prove them right or wrong. So I think that's always good to have those people that are naysayers to help. That are, they're giving you valid feedback. You're always going to have people, and we see that in some of the comments we hear back. Oh, we had one came back, says, this is the dumbest idea ever. You know, this is not going to work. And so you're always going to have those. You have to understand it. But some that are really challenging and giving you will force you to give you insight and so on. Absolutely. Are the ones that benefit. Got to have tough skin, bring a product to market, right? You do. <laughs> That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, Bruce, this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? Yeah, as good as I'm ever going to be, I guess. Well, let's do it. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? I think what inspired me to be an entrepreneur is I've always liked to build things challenging and so on. And I realized I didn't fit into a big company. It was just too many challenges. And so I really started going off on building. Uh, I, I first joined a company as an early entrepreneur, oh God, 40 year, over 40 years ago, and then started my own companies after that. So it was the ability to move quickly and uh, recognizing and finding out the hard way that there are a lot more challenges out there than you might think. But uh, that was really, I think the big thing is, is that I wanted, I felt I could move faster on my own than what I could do within a big company. Absolutely. So if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? I think it's probably one that's in the headlines today, and that's Elon Musk. I, I just look at that guy and, and he's, he's got insights. He's able to work with those insights and motivate people and get investors in and so on. So he's able to, to span the gamut uh, in his capabilities. And I have to be honest with you, when he first started and so on, some of the things I'm thinking, boy, this guy's going to be a major flop. And uh, I was proven wrong. And uh, I, I think he, he's just proven that he does have the capabilities. not just the fact he's extremely wealthy, obviously, but some of the insights he's done and he, he he'd run into obstacles and he just he seems to take them in stride. Yep. So he'd probably be my number one, the ones I know. There's some other very good people out there too, by the way, but he's the one that comes to mind right now. All right. So if you're sitting on the rocket with him, what's the first question you ask him? <laughs> Why did you do this and how do you live with it day in and day out? Uh, I mean, f from the pressures and so on, uh, I don't have nearly the pressures like, say, sitting on that rocket uh, that uh, might not get off the ground. But, you know, I have daily challenges, things that are bothering me that I have to take care of. I mean, it's just a million and one things. And uh, how to handle those emotionally uh, without getting frustrated and so on. And he seems to do a pretty good job of that, at least doesn't show it in the public domain. Now, I don't meet with him every day and, and see him in his private life, but he seems to be able to handle it and correct for it. And uh, and come out successful. Yep. What's a, what's a book you might recommend to our listeners? Well, this is going to be a strange one because I'm sure most people would tell you some, something about being an entrepreneur or whatever. But uh, my favorite book, and I read it about every two or three years, is Moby Dick. And if you haven't read Moby Dick, I suggest 
take the time and do so. It's a little outdated now, but it's considered one of the best novels in the English language. Uh, and it's not easy reading, but I think it has so many underlying themes and concepts associated with it in life in general. And when you go in there, I think you can identify uh, with with certain people in there and things. So I have told my my sons, especially, they've gotten older, is that, uh, you know, I can definitely relate to one character in there. And I asked them who they think that would be. So far, they haven't given me an answer. Okay. Well, homework for them, right? That's right. What three traits or skills do you think every entrepreneur needs to be successful? Well, I, I tell people that are my top 10, ethics, 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 ethics. I really firmly believe that. And I think everything will flow from that. But if you were looking for the uh, three identifiable ones, I think ethics is number one. I think persistence is number two. There's a uh, famous quote from Calvin Coolidge, and it's called, people should look it up, it's called Persistence. And it's a couple paragraphs on the subject and so on. So I think that, and probably the third one, would you have to be tough-skinned? Don't take things personally, but I think, like say, you have to, you should be ethics. Don't ever get into a deal uh, working with people that you know that they're not ethical. I learned this the hard way about 35 years ago when we were doing a buyout of a company. We knew the guy was unethical. We went ahead and did it anyway, thinking we were going to put, because he was going to be very small holder in this. Never crawl in bed with a dog because you're going to get fleas. So number one, ethics, always number one. And then the persistence. If you think that you're going to be an entrepreneur and it's an eight to five job, 40 hours a week, don't do it. Don't waste your time yep. out of it. it it's never stops. Uh, it just doesn't happen. And like I say, the other one is being have a, a tough skin because there's so many naysayers out there. You you can't let them drag you down. If you believe in something, and that doesn't mean that every entrepreneur is going to be successful. And it doesn't mean I was successful on everything, by the way. But at least have the thick skin and recognize that, okay, if, if, if somebody's given, telling me something negative, can I learn from that, number one? And how do I adapt for that? You know, if, if it's a valid point, you know, take it in stride and uh, use it to your advantage. Find a way to use it to your advantage. So I would say those are my top three. So in terms of using things, what's uh, what's one invention that's made your life a little bit easier? Well, there's no doubt about that. That's my present invention we're working on, uh, the technology for uh, extending shelf life of produce and so on. I think this is going to make life much better for a lot of people and not just the home unit. That's obviously our first entrance into the marketplace. But uh, throughout, you know, our daily life, uh, not only in the home, but in uh, the manufacturing product, shipping, storage, and not just food. Uh, we're looking at this for flowers, for medicine. We've had some preliminary discussions uh, in the medical field, and which I've had some insight to uh, many years ago when we did RFID. So it's kind of funny circling back that. I love the medical field because it has such a high barrier of entry, yeah. but the payoffs once you're in there and the benefits are monumental in many cases. So uh, that's an area I'm very interested in as well, getting into not in the short term, but longer term and so on. So I think that uh, in answer to your question, yeah, there's no doubt about uh, the the benefits that this technology can, uh, can have to individuals, companies, uh, and so on worldwide, long-term. It's just mind-boggling when you start thinking about all the, the possibilities. Amazing. And when I got into RFID, I thought that was big. Yep. I compare RFID and, and, you know, that RFID I developed uh, went from zero uh, today, 
Uh, last numbers I saw, there's about 20 billion tags a year being sold in that area. And so, and I think this will dwarf the RFID world by far. Incredible. Well, speaking of the future and given that you got an active Kickstarter campaign right now going on, I'd love to hear your take on what the future of crowdfunding looks like. Well, I, it's obviously, you know, something that's gone from zero, just like uh, the RFID world, to, uh, you know, gigantic area and so on. And I think there's a real benefit to crowdfunding, both as equity and, and the pre-sale of product and so on, that it lets people get in on the ground floor, which they couldn't do many, many years ago. So I think it's very beneficial, especially with our social environment today, the, uh, the ability of it. So the crowdfunding, the Kickstarter for us has been very beneficial, uh, educating people about our technology, our product and so on. And hopefully people will go out there and, and get on Kickstarter and look up Green Life Tech and uh, uh, learn more about it and hopefully buy pre-purchase one of our products and so on. But we think that uh, this is obviously the wave of the future. And I think getting into it, don't be uh, naive about it either, thinking it's simple. It's not. So working, again, with Inventus Partners, it's allowed us to, to come up to speed fairly quickly. And I don't know if I'm up to speed even yet, but I've learned a whole heck of a lot. And I, I think that it's uh, it, it can be very beneficial for the entrepreneurs out there and that are looking at, at get, how to get their product in the marketplace and learn from it. Like I say, it has many advantages. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Bruce Rosner, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Everybody, make sure to go check out the campaign over on Kickstarter. Search for Fresh Defend Home. Got to give a big shout out to our crowdfunding podcast sponsor over at Product Hype, the top newsletter for new products that just dropped. Again, Dr. Bruce Rosner, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thank you, Roy. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for tuning into another amazing episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a better business, life, and world with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, make sure to show us some love, you know, by rating us and reviewing us on your favorite listening station, whatever that may be. Your review really helps other founders and startups find us so they can improve their craft and achieve greater success like you. And of course, be sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the previous episodes. And if you need any help, make sure to send me an email at info at I'd be glad to help you out. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next week.